Welcome to Teaching Channel Talks. Every other week, I'll be talking to expert educators about how to tackle some of the most challenging issues in education. I'm your host, Wendy Amato. This week, we're joined by Bethany Nagel, a program coordinator at the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum. Bethany manages all of the resources the museum creates for educators. Bethany, I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I wondered if we could start by asking you to share a little bit about how you became involved in the museum. Absolutely. So when I was in college, I was studying history and I took a class called the origins of Nazism and I found the topic really interesting and I decided that I wanted to pursue a graduate degree and do some kind of career in the field of history and my advisor had mentioned that potentially working in museums was a great avenue for me. So after undergrad, I packed up and moved to the DC area and explored the different museums that are on the mall and off the mall and the different potential career opportunities within working with a museum. And I really liked working with people and seeing how people responded when they learned new information in a really exciting way that wasn't in a formal classroom setting. So I went to graduate school and I received my master's degree in public history and I specialized in museum education while doing so. I actually had an internship at the museum uh, while I was in graduate school and then eventually found my way back as a full-time staff member where I've been for the past couple of years. That's great. One of the things that I enjoy about museums today is the level of interactivity that they offer. Museums today work so hard to have engagement and um, make connections with people. It sounds like you had a, a first experience and it, it pulled you back in. <laughs> yeah, and I've always found that people might not always like school and or certain classes, but they love learning you know, learning is a fun and exciting thing. And I wanted to find ways for people to continue to learn outside of a classroom in ways that they found really engaging and really interesting and they would want to return to. Well, tell me, as you got more involved with the museum, what have you found to be some of the most meaningful aspects of your work? Where, where do you tell yourself, wow, I'm in the right place? I love seeing visitors, teachers, or students make their own connections about the history to today or about specific parts of you know, the years that our museum focuses in 1933 to 1945. I have a specific example. One time, this was actually when I was an intern, we were using this new technology in the museum where visitors could come up to a microphone and ask a Holocaust survivor who had pre-recorded um, a couple hundred hours of questions and, and the software would allow a visitor to talk into the microphone and ask a question and, and have their question responded as if they were FaceTiming with the survivor, even though they were really on a screen. And I had a group of teenage boys come in and they were really joking around. And that's not always the vibe of the Holocaust Museum. You know, it's very quiet, usually somber. Mm -hmm. It's not the loudest. Um, so they definitely kind of stood out and they came up and they were really joking around and, and they came up and they asked the survivor through the microphone what they thought of Justin Bieber. And that was actually a question that had been recorded with the survivor. Oh, wow. And the survivor said, I don't actually like to listen to Justin Bieber. And then it kind of got their attention. And then they asked, well, what's your favorite color? And he had a response for that. And then they just ended up spending about 15 minutes 
in this program talking to him and learning all kinds of things about the history. And it was just so interesting to kind of see that switch. And I love, you know, seeing that happen with whether it's a visitor like that or when we're in person doing professional development with teachers in person and, and you know, they're figuring out ways they can help students understand, you know, all these themes that relate to the Holocaust. I really enjoy moments like that. That's an incredible example. I'm imagining that that was not the only time it happened, but I'm really glad that you got to witness that one. Yeah, well, you know, the, the teenage boys thanked me on the way out and they were really quiet afterwards. I just think they were really touched by something they were not expecting. And I love when that happens. Not everyone's able to make it to the museum. And I, I know that you have worked very hard to help provide education for educators so that they can teach about the Holocaust in their classrooms across the country and around the world. Can we talk a little bit about the Belfer National Conference for Teachers? I, I, I'd love for, for people to, to be more aware of that as an, op, as an opportunity for teachers. Yes, and I agree with you, Wendy. You know, we love having visitors come to the museum, teachers that can bring their students. It's a wonderful experience, but we acknowledge that that is not how most teachers and students encounter learning about the Holocaust, and we need to come to those teachers. So every summer we've hosted the Belfer National Conference for Educators. Before the COVID-19 pandemic hit, it was, we had two sessions in July, three days for English teachers, and three days for social studies or history teachers. And then last year we switched to an all virtual format that really allowed us to expand to reach all teachers throughout the United States. Teachers were no longer required to travel to Washington DC to stay the night here, to come to the museum for a couple of days was something that could be done in the comfort of your own home. All the videos and the sessions and the materials that you viewed doing, during those couple of days of the conference were available for up to six months afterwards. So it was something teachers could return to. And we received wonderful feedback. So we're doing that again this summer. We're going to have three separate se sessions of Belfer. The first session is for teachers who have never attended Belfer before, who are new to teaching about the Holocaust, who are really interested in kind of making that first touch point with the museum. The second session is for teachers who have attended Belfer in the past. So whether you attended last year, 15 years ago, we welcome you to come back, kind of take a new angle on some of the updated museum resources and you know the different um, approaches we're taking to Holocaust education today. And then our third conference is actually designed for other types of educators who aren't teaching students in the classroom. So curriculum coordinators or developers, any kind of school administration, if a principal would like to attend um, and, and other types of educators out there. And we feel that this will be a really great space to talk about curriculum needs and standards and, and those types of things that other educators, but those who aren't in the classroom might be really concerned with and, and help you meet those needs that you're facing. As an educator, I am deeply appreciative of the differentiation that you're providing and having three conferences that uh, will be adjusted just right to meet the different needs of those populations. So round one is for new people. And I've actually signed up for that one this summer. It will be my first time. And the more I learn about the conference, gosh, the more excited I am to attend. 
Bethany, one of the things that you've taught me that I'm grateful to hear uh, is that the museum does not try to educate people in order to address issues of today. Can you help me delineate the the purpose and intent? We, we You've specified a range of years, but talk to me a little bit more about maybe that, that misconception of the, of the purpose of the museum. So we serve as a living memorial to the survivors and victims of the Holocaust. The museum feels it is our responsibility to teach um, people about what happened between the years 1933 and 1945 and the rise of Nazis to power and, and how the Holocaust unfolded in the context of World War II, addressing many different types of themes, historical events, laws and decrees, different communities. The museum encourages people to make connections of their own um, to whatever time period of history that they may think is relevant. Everything kind of uh, relates to each other as the history unfolds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. So the the invitation is there for people to make their own connections, but the museum's not pushing uh, uh, or um, um, creating some kind of curriculum content for modern events. It's it's respectful and specific to a time period and an event, and um, and and looks at it through multiple lenses. So there really could be all kinds of interdisciplinary connections. That absolutely. That and, um, you know, whether you're exploring our resources online or you come to the museum in person, we have our permanent exhibition, which is titled The Holocaust and, and explores those 12 years. We currently have a special exhibition up um, when the museum is open, you can come see it, but it's also available online. And it's called Americans in the Holocaust. And that explores the United States role during this time, what they were doing, um, the, you know, the, actions of the military, what American citizens were doing, immigration, what the media reported, all these different facets, which can really relate to American history classrooms or, you know, media classes and, and really helps place the Holocaust into context of what was going on in our own country at the time, because the Holocaust didn't happen in the United States. So how can we provide that context for teachers to help just take a new angle, like you said, to teaching about it? Bethany, you manage all of the resources the museum creates for educators. Do you have any favorites? Is there, is there a tool or resource where people come back to you and say, wow, I, I used this with my students. It was amazing. You know, our timeline activity lesson is something that I'm really proud of. That's been around for a long time and there's been several versions of it and teachers just really love it. And we're starting to create new resources that kind of build off of it. Um, they're how, printed. How does that work? Yeah. <laughs> so they're printed cards. Uh, the foundational lesson has about 125 printed cards that teachers can put up on the wall and, and wow. there's activities laid out for students and they get to explore individual profiles of victims of the Holocaust, which is really fascinating for students to, to hear that personal story. They read laws and decrees about what was happening in Nazi Germany and, and other areas of Europe at the time as well as, you know, maybe what was going on with the United States. And then there's historical events cards. So they're really able to kind of place all this in context and to see how individual people were affected, which we find, you know, especially helpful when you have limited time to teach about the Holocaust and you can't dive into a bunch of different stories. You can kind of do that with with this. And, you know, you can download the cards online and print them yourself. 
you can uh, request a printed set from the museum for free. We will ship them to any teacher in the United States. Wow. Um, and we also have a new digital version, which is really exciting for us, which you can also access for free on our website. Knowing how carefully prepared your educator resources are, I, I, I hope that there's no teacher anywhere Googling for materials because <laughs> there's, there's no way to ensure that what your findings um, produce are, is actually correct to use. I've been grateful for the curation around the materials and resources. You know you're working with authentic materials and, and um, that everything's been verified. We have a really committed process to creating our resources. So all of our lesson plans and, and other materials are grounded in the museum's historical collections, which is really exciting. Students get to explore a lot of primary sources that the museum has access to. And our resources are also all vetted by the historians on staff. So you know that receiving one of our lesson plans, a historian has looked at it, has verified all the information, even has probably added to what we've created to kind of help uh, make sure students are getting a full picture of the historical context. Yeah, I, I wouldn't use anything else. Well, <laughs> uh, let me shift gears a little and ask about Holocaust survivors. We, we have watched years and decades pass now, and the survivors that are involved with the museum were children, largely children at the time. What does that mean in terms of preserving voices and in keeping the stories alive for the lessons that they offer? The museum has been so fortunate to have so many survivors and trust us with their stories and their memories and, mm -hmm. and their collections. We have still a large number of survivors who volunteer at the museum. Yes. Um, but in addition to that, you know, we, we receive survivor materials who, who don't volunteer there as well. Um, the museum has a lot of programming that both uh, helps share survivor stories, but also helps support them as well. Um, one of, you know, the best resources for teachers if they're interested in exploring students hearing from a survivor firsthand is our first person program. Um, it's called First Person Conversations with a Survivor, and it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation with one of our survivors and then oftentimes um, a journalist but sometimes other museum staff fill in and the program's usually about an hour long and a survivor takes you through their story tries to offer a little historical context you know where they were growing up um, and it's a very personal and, and, and deep connection um, to learning about someone's very specific understanding and experience in the holocaust um, for the 2021 season, it's a little different and we're actually, the museum is having one first person program a month, uh, the schedule you can find online. Mm -hmm. And we have, it's one hour, it's recorded. So if for some reason you are unable to make it when it airs, you can return back to it. And we even have a teaching guide that the museum developed to go along with it. So if teachers are interested in using it in their classroom, there's a little activity that kind of helps students um, explore what what they learn about the survivor before, during, and after the war and how that relates to their larger understanding of the Holocaust. Those personal stories are priceless and having them preserved and then have, having teaching materials to facilitate 
facilitate their use is a treasure. If there's one takeaway from our conversation for educators everywhere, I hope it's that they know to come and, and um, appreciate what has been preserved. Their stories are amazing and uh, we're just so fortunate that they are willing to continue to share them with us and, and our visitors. Bethany, speaking of voices and stories, I think that there is something very special that's been arranged for the Belfer Conference this summer. Would you share a preview or give a little information about what's coming up? Yes, absolutely. So this summer's Balfour Conference is going to feature our keynote speaker, Derek Black, who grew up in a white nationalist community and is a former white nationalist himself. Mm-hmm. And he is going to take the time to talk with all our educators and, and other guests of the Belfer Conference about um, his own personal experience and, and how to have conversations in communities where people do have opposing viewpoints and, and how to address um, views of anti-Semitism or racism that could potentially pop up in your classrooms. We are really, really excited that he was kind enough to give us his time. And I really hope that our educators uh, find his <laughs> words of wisdom really insightful. Bethany, thank you. And educators, thank you for joining us. You can find the links Bethany and I have talked about in the show notes below or at teachingchannel.com slash podcast. You can register for a free webinar with Bethany at teachingchannel.com slash USHMM. And on that page, in addition to registering for the webinar, you'll find information to register for the Belfer National Conference for Teachers. If you leave us a rating and review on whatever podcast app you're listening to, it will help more educators to find us. I'll see you in two weeks with another episode. Thanks for listening.